The Minding Your Mind podcast, raising awareness and breaking the stigma around mental health. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Minding Your Mind podcast. My name is Evan Transu, and I'll be your host for this episode. As mental health advocates, one of the biggest parts of our mission is to encourage those suffering to reach out for help as early as possible. We wouldn't wait to go to the doctor if we suspected we fractured a bone, so we don't believe that anyone should have to wait to get help for the mental health challenges they're dealing with either. When mental health challenges go on too long without treatment, this can sometimes lead to suicidal thoughts or attempts. Today, we are interviewing someone who has been through this exact thing. Our guest today, Joey Zatmary, is the owner of the Lion's Den Elite Training Facility in Colmar, Pennsylvania. He has competed internationally in strongman and placed first in his weight class on a national level. This guy is the real deal, and we are so thankful that he's willing to share his story with others because certainly, as Joey and I have talked about before, he's not the stereotypical picture that you would imagine in your head when talking about mental health issues. And what we're doing here on this podcast is showing you there is no stereotypical picture. Anyone can deal with this stuff. So Joey, thank you so much for being here. With yeah, us. man, my pleasure. Super stoked to uh, talk about whatever we're going to dive into and hopefully help some people out there and give them some insight. Great. And so I've had a chance to hear Joey's story before to some degree. And Joey, I know you have stated before that depression and mental health challenges started for you in around your high school years. But before we get into that, I'm curious to know, what were you like as a kid? And that can be anything, the good, possibly the bad, however uh, you want to take that question. Yeah, man. Uh, so growing up as a kid, uh, I always thought that I was super friendly uh, and kind. You know, I was raised by my parents, and those were some of the biggest, uh, you know, characteristics and qualities I think they try to instill in me, um, being open-minded. Uh, and I was always, I would say, like, in my mind, I was just my myself, you know, but I think uh, being myself, probably, I would say people maybe looked at me a little bit differently, because I consider myself like kind of nerdy. But at the same time, you know, I like to, to hang out with people and play sports, but there's a little bit of everything. But uh, I wouldn't classify myself when I was in a young age as like the super popular kid. Um, but I did try to mix and mingle with all different friend groups. But for the most part, yeah, I grew up just kind of like a normal kid and interested in different things. You know, I, like I said, I played sports. I did martial arts a lot as, as a kid and uh, I liked video games and playing outside. I got to ask, I always find something interesting when I ask the question about what someone was like as a kid. What martial art or martial arts did uh, you do? I did Kempo Karate, but uh, uh, they kind of mixed in a little bit of a different uh, you know, types of karate at the, the school that I was going to. Uh, it was pretty cool because my neighbor had owned it, so I was really close with the owners. And uh, I did that for like five years of my life, and I ended up getting, uh, I guess, your junior black belt and then moved to the adult stuff after you get your junior black belt. Uh, but I, I really give a lot of uh, foundation whenever I'm on podcasts or people ask me about my athletic career uh, to martial arts. You know, and I and I grew up. I think I probably should have mentioned this too. Uh, I went through a phase where I was definitely probably more on the chubbier side. You know, so that influenced things. I'm sure we'll get into. You know, with with uh, you know going to school and and getting bullied a little bit. But uh, martial arts really had helped me. Uh, you know keep myself grounded and develop good characteristics to set me up for the future uh, to kind of where I'm at today. Awesome. And yeah, that's why I asked, because I think that is such an under-respected type of practice. I think 
virtually all of us would benefit from doing something like that when we're younger, if nothing else from the mental discipline and respect that comes from that. A lot of people mistakenly think that's some type of violent thing. And really, it's quite the opposite because it teaches people how to use uh, their aggression appropriately and those things that we all have as humans. So I think a lot of us would benefit from that. But obviously, that's a side note. Let's jump forward a little bit then and maybe go to those middle school, high school years. When was the first time you started to notice changes in your mental health? And maybe obviously you didn't recognize, okay, this is a mental health condition, but you know, you started noticing changes in your personality. Even yeah. So kind of going back, I think we'll start a little, maybe a little bit earlier because looking back, I can kind of connect the dots a little bit more, but I was always one of those kids who was in the guidance counselor's office a lot, a lot more than probably any other kid, you know, probably should have been and going through it. I didn't realize that, but uh, like I said, I was a little bit heavier. So probably like the years from third till like seventh grade, um, I was definitely on the heavier side. And I think that was an easy target for people to bully me or make fun of me. Uh, and that really affected me. Cause like I said, I was a really kind person and I always was trying to be friendly with everybody. Uh, and I didn't really understand why I was getting picked on, uh, trying to be like a nice kid, but Obviously, you know, there's bullies out there. So I, you know, they would make fun of me in person or they would say things. And I was a little bit different in the sense that, uh, you know, I would go like, uh, there's that store, was it like Hot Topic at the time? And I would always try to like be figuring out like who I was. So sometimes I would wear like, you know, like a studded belt, you know, and, or sometimes I would change my outfit. And one time I think I put like red dye in my hair because I thought that was cool. And, you know, these things were just me expressing myself and just trying to, you know, figure out who I was. But like I said, kind of standing out a little bit, the people would make fun of me for doing that kind of stuff or, uh, you know, pick on me. And, and like I said, that really bothered me. And, and I could tell that there was something different going on because I was very upset a lot. And that's why I go to the guidance counselor's office and I would just sit in there and talk to the guidance counselor just to make me feel better. Uh, and I started associating like going to class or maybe after school with you know, worrying about, am I going to get bullied? Am I going to get picked on? Uh, and then that kind of led me to want to start changing on uh, my, my physical appearance, you know, and, and I was doing martial arts at the time, but I was no means by athletic, uh, really. And I knew that sports was kind of a cool way to get involved with the community. Um, so I started playing more sports just to kind of fit in more with people. Um, but that kind of led into uh, where you were saying more the middle school years. Uh, where I had actually ended up losing a lot of weight uh, and people kind of looked at me differently. It was kind of funny. Like once you lose a couple of pounds, you start working out, you know, girls are now interested in you and maybe guys are a little bit more intimidated by you because now you have some muscles. So now they don't want to say things because they're afraid they're probably going to get hit. And they did know I was in martial arts. Uh, so it definitely built my confidence. Uh, so that was good on that aspect, but kind of just getting back to your point with the more of the middle school and high school years, there was a very large shift in my home life. And I think that's what really started to affect me, um, you know, when it came to depression and uh, I had a lot of anger problems. So we, we can kind of go off that however you want. Um, but that's kind of when things started kind of probably downward spiraling pretty rapidly. Sure. And that was actually perfect because that's kind of my next question. I remember when I'm listening to your story, you know, you talk about having these anger problems or these moments where you just felt like, 
all of a sudden you just explode, I believe was the words you used. And I think for many of us, especially as men, we feel the only socially appropriate way to express the negative emotions that we are feeling with is through anger. Unfortunately, um, I am totally guilty of that. And I've done that many times in my life. I've had a lot of regrets about that. I was wondering, do you think that idea played a role in these outbursts that maybe that's the only socially acceptable way for you to express some of the negative things? Yeah, um, you know, I grew up with that mentality, like, you don't want to show your emotion, right? Like, men are just supposed to be, like, you know, hard-faced. And if you do show emotion or you talk about it, that's kind of, like, quote-unquote weak, you know? So, for me, uh, what led to these, uh, you know, I just call them, like, fits of rage or just, like, freaking out, acting out type of things. And it was always pretty much behind closed doors unless um, – you were someone really close to my life, you would see this is I basically would just hold everything in. And I remember when I would hold stuff in, it was kind of like, I would act like it didn't bother me at all, but I never forgot those things. Like if someone said something to me that bothered me, I would just like, you know, try to smile and wait. But in the back of my mind, like I could, it was just like adding one little notch to the fuse. Uh, and it kept building up and building up and building up. And then someone could say something. And unfortunately it was probably somebody close to me that maybe said something that rubbed me the wrong way. And it didn't even have to be anything that was like, you know, uh, super uh, out there. It could have just been like the, just the wrong thing that day. And I would just lose it, man. Like I would just start breaking things or, you know, causing harm to myself. Um, and then it would lead to these like these huge explosive, you know, type of things to then uh, just plummeting downward into like crying my eyes out and just being super emotional because to be honest with you, I didn't really know how to handle my emotions, you know, like it was just so built up. So I'd go from this ultimate high to then this super just down low. Um, and, and it was just kind of like that for, for years, man. And that's kind of what ultimately led to, you know, uh, me, you know, attempting suicide was just like dealing with this all the time and going on behind closed doors and not talking about it uh, and, and kind of trying to paint this picture that, you know, everything is good, man. Like my family life's great. Cause on the outside, that's how it did look. And, you know, I'm this good athlete in high school. I have a ton of friends, right. That like we had talked about, uh, you know, what's a stereotypical, you know, type of picture, but there is none. Like I, I had on the outside what it seemed like everything. Uh, and then on the inside, I was just really suffering. And I always appreciate your honesty with this type of stuff. Cause I know you do this on social, like you just don't, you never want it to just be the highlight reel, I think you say. And I love that because you're like, all right, listen, there's a lot of good things going on in life, but I still have uh, this going on. And I feel like probably some of that lesson was learned from these situations that you had when you're younger. Now, I feel like I'm focusing in on this one point with this question because I am a little biased because it happened to me. So I'm just curious. I feel like it has had to have happened to other people out there, men especially, um, but women too. The anger you had said affected your relationships. I mean, what did that entail? Like, how did that impact the people? Uh, yeah, I mean, so it affected the people closest to me, unfortunately. And I know that they say that a lot, like the people often who are the closest or probably love you the most, uh, they, you know, they get hit the hardest. And that's just because, uh, you know, they're, they're right there and you're so involved with them in your life. And those are the people that probably you're comfortable, you know, expressing uh, those sides to, but you know, it's, it's probably ended relationships with girlfriends that I've had where, you know, that it's hard to explain without getting too in depth with it, but the issues surrounding my family affected my relationships, um, 
with, you know, my personal relationships with girlfriends as well. So it was like a double-edged sword. So if things weren't going right with my family, that affected things with my relationships. So kind of like we had said before, maybe I was freaking out in front of my family, but my girlfriend's right there, you know, and then she sees this ugly side of me or maybe something happened with my family. And then my girlfriend and I were hanging out and then she would say something that really, you know, rubbed me the wrong way. And then I would act out or say things that I normally probably wouldn't have said, uh, which ultimately just led to really unhealthy relationships across the board. So it affected that. It, it affected, you know, things with people in my family, uh, my relationships with them, which I still work on today, uh, based on the, you know, things that happened in the past or the trauma that I'm trying to, to cope with, I guess. Um, you know, for example, my brother and I, uh, he's five years younger than me. And when I was going through all of this, right. So imagine being 18, you know, anywhere from 16 to 18 years old, you have a five year younger brother who's like, they view the world so differently. You know, it's like 13 compared to 18, you know, it's like night and day, um, having to, you know, see me going through this as a younger brother, it's very confusing. And it's also hard for me to understand how I'm supposed to be to a 13 year old. Uh, so that really had damaged my relationship with him, someone that I loved and I care about deeply. Uh, and, you know, thankfully, now we, we really have a good relationship because I was able to, to change myself um, and really just try to make up for a lot of the, the things that had happened uh, during those years. Uh, you know, and, and I'm lucky that he's able to kind of look past some things and, and maybe forgive me a little bit, but it's, it's just like a weird, it's not really, it's like, it's wrong or right. It's just that, like, that was just the chaos that was going on and just trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, move past it. But yeah, man, it, it affected my family probably the most and, you know, girlfriends, um, you know, and it also on a side note affected my performance, let's just say with like, you know, sports and academics, right? Like here I am like a, a high performing athlete in high school. And I remember literally getting sat down with my high school football coach, which not a lot of people know about uh, because he's hearing about stuff that's going on outside of football and in my life. And I'm like basically about to break down in front of my football coach. And it was funny because it wasn't until we actually had a conversation about it that my performance started to pick back up again. And I was able to kind of just feel like I got some stuff off my chest and I was able to just play the sport because I'd be at football practice thinking about, man, like, you know, this is going on in my life right now. I don't want to go home. I don't want to deal with this. You know, I'm having issues with my family, having issues with my girlfriend. It's like the last thing I want to do is sit there and, and try to play football and focus on that or, you know, do my homework in school. So, uh, you know, it affected a, a lot of things uh, also outside of my family and my relationships. Got it. That little simple conversation with the coach, that was enough to improve performance that fast? Uh, yeah. Actually, if I believe at that point, I think I had maybe attempted uh, suicide and I think it was brought to my coach's attention by my parents. Um, but the the main point I'm trying to make is my coach just had no idea any of this was going on. So, you know, I'm getting ripped apart in practice because it's like, why is your performance suffering? You're supposed to be the captain. You're the, the lead tackler for the team, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just not saying anything, you know, and I'm just getting kind of pent up and build up because I don't want to talk about it. But since it was kind of brought to light, I think across the board, it was like, okay, now my coach probably understands what's going on. So now there's like open lines of communication there. And it took, I think, some pressure off of me. Uh, and at that point, that's when I started um, going to therapy and, and really starting to get some help. But yeah, I, I would say like 
that definitely was different for me. I'd say, uh, you know, going to practice in that sense. And yeah, that's exactly what I was actually about to reference was this idea of, you know, we're always so big on supporting and destigmatizing counselors and therapists. I mean, it's just so amazing what a conversation can do. And of course, it is more than just talking to someone. But it's interesting, you know, having that conversation with the coach and just knowing like, okay, this is established. This is what's going on. That could instantly improve that one area of your life. Now, I got to ask, because I feel like this is something that so many of us go through when we've dealt with these types of emotions or mental health challenges. I would never have guessed that the relationship that you have with your brother today was ever one that was strained. So to me, that shows me legitimate healing has been done. Responsibility has been taken on, you know, one or both parties. And that's amazing. That's truly a cool thing. What's one tip you'd give people out there if they've had that kind of familial problem? Um, How do you heal that type of relationship? Uh, I think, you know, I, I know it sounds pretty basic, but patience is going to be a huge one. Like you, you have to just give it time. Um, I did spend time trying to force like that. I wanted to have a better relationship. Uh, and I think that probably made things worse because it takes healing on both ends. So maybe I'm in a better place, but say the person in your family or my brother wasn't ready to, you know, move on with the relationship or try to to better it, like I have to be respect to, uh, respectful of of him and realize that he's going through his own thing as well. So, uh, just being patient, but also, you know, just uh, just just listening and, and caring uh, and trying to you know show the the person that you know you have changed uh, because it's going to take time for them to realize that change in you. So that's what I think took time. You know, with my brother is like you know maybe he he sees me doing some good stuff or maybe he's like, Oh man, like Joe's acting different, but it's going to take a lot of time to build that trust back. And that's okay. Like if it's a really relationship that you want to, you know, make better, you have to be okay with knowing that it's going to take time and not trying to force it on somebody else. Like when they're ready, uh, you know, it's, it's going to happen. So I think with my brother specifically, it was just like a timing thing. And like I had said, you know, he was five years younger, man. So you know, when we're 18, right, think about 18 and then a 13-year-old. Like, when, what you're doing when you're 18 who you're hanging out with, it's very different than how you view the world at 13. So for my brother to get older, <laughs> sure. you know, you know, and realize, like, maybe see the other side of things. Like, when he was 18, maybe he was going through some stuff and realized, okay, if I had a brother who was five years younger, man, maybe I would have handled the situation similar to how my brother handled it. Like, maybe I can't, you know, be as mad as him as I thought because now I'm in his shoes uh, so I think it, for, for that situation specifically, it was a timing thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work that I put in on my end to change myself. Uh, and luckily, you know, I think my brother has seen that through kind of where I'm at in my life and, uh, we're able to, you know, have a really good relationship now. Well said, that's amazing. And again, the proofs in the pudding to me is I would never even have guessed that there was a strain there. So I think that's uh, just awesome. I'm transitioning a little bit because I've heard you also talk about what you refer to as these situational periods of depression or situational depression. Now, the situations that seem to trigger these episodes for you are real things that could cause people to feel strongly. So I would like for you to describe to us what you believe is the difference between a quote unquote, like standard reaction and the situational depression that you experience. Cause I do think that's something a lot of people go through. So what does that look like exactly? Yeah. So basically uh, like something could happen in my life. Um, 
that kind of triggers the onset of this downward spiral and feeling. So it, it it's range from um, numerous of different things. It could be someone passed away. It could be, uh, you know, something happens with my business or, you know, something as simple as like a breakup or something, you know, going on in my relationship. Now, what happens is, is typically uh, for me, I just go into a downward spiral. So it, that's the trigger I would say. And then my brain, once it starts getting these negative thoughts, unfortunately, they just go down a rabbit hole. And that's, really what makes it different probably for me versus someone who doesn't suffer from depression. They're probably just a lot faster at kind of moving on or, or, you know, getting out of that mindset. But what happens is when I get stuck in it, it just sort of just spreads like a wildfire over to everything else. So it could be an issue, say in a relationship, but then I start to think about all of the bad things going on with my business and all the bad things going on in my life. And obviously I wouldn't have thought about those things before, but this trigger kind of causes me to just keep getting more negative in my head. And then I think that I can't fix it or it's never going to get better. Um, And that's where it can lead to that vicious cycle of just being unhappy, uh, which making, you know, makes my days harder to get through. And then before you know it, you know, I I feel like I'm in some sort of, you know, like you said, situational depression here. Uh, And that's where I kind of realized like this is happening consistently. And it's pretty unhealthy. Got it. And again, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of us go through. So I appreciate you kind of describing the difference because we have plenty of people listening to this podcast that are listening to understand what others are going through. And I think you really hit on the key differences there between, okay, you know, I'm just sad because something sad happened versus, wow, this is really having a huge emotional impact on my life. And that's something that a lot of people are dealing with out there. I'll touch on something you said more in just a moment, but I I cannot have you on the podcast and not bring this up. I mean, fitness has been a huge part of your healing. How did you go from picking up a barbell for the first time to becoming literally one of the world's strongest individuals? Yeah, so uh, one of the biggest modalities that helped me through my entire life has been exercise, uh, you know, fitness, and specifically strength training. Uh, I remember you know, when I was getting bullied, right? Like we go back to the early ages, I was overweight and I was chubby. So what's a great way to boost your confidence, right? Doing, uh, exercise. So I'd go in my room and, uh, I would put on, uh, some metal music and I'd close the door and I would do sit-ups, push-ups, uh, try to do pull-ups. I couldn't do pull-ups at the time, but I would try my best every time until I eventually could, uh, and like squats, like just body weight stuff. And I would do this for like, a couple hours in my room. And I just remember like feeling good. Like I got that endorphin rush. Um, and like I said, this time no one knew anything was going on. So I wasn't talking to a doctor. I wasn't really talking to my parents and I would be embarrassed if I was like, Hey mom, like, can I go to the doctor? I'm feeling like really upset. Like, so <laughs> the most, uh, you know, natural thing for me to do would just be working out. Cause that's a normal thing to do. And, uh, it was kind of like a way I could disguise that, you know, and, and still kind of have like that manly type of uh, uh, persona. So I would do that. And I just got hooked, man. I got addicted. I, I got addicted to the feeling. I got, I got addicted to the progress of bettering myself. Uh, and that was kind of the, the first way that I started my self-improvement. I still do it to this day. You know, like anytime I'm feeling really down, maybe I go a couple days without training. Uh, but I get to a point where I need that fix. It basically is like a drug to me. Uh, you know, when I can go train, I get the endorphin rush and I'm starting to sweat and uh, my brain 
you know, for whatever reason, I, I know you probably know more about the chemical side than I do. Uh, but I, my thoughts change, you know, I start thinking, you know, more positively. Uh, and even just the fact that I'm taking action to do something like that little action to just better myself in some way gives me a little bit more positive momentum, um, rather than being stuck in just such a negative rabbit hole. But yeah, man, I mean, <laughs> everybody wants the secret formula to success, or maybe I get a lot of people that talk to me through social media, like, how did you go from this to that? And it's, it's really just the, the simple uh, term of just consistency, you know, consistency and just doing it, you know, whether I felt like it or not. Um, and I've never regretted a workout, man. Every time I'm done a training session, I always feel better in some way, shape or form. And that's why I'm so passionate about it with helping people. And it's, it's really a great remedy, uh, you know, that people can, can just throw in their toolbox, you know, like I'm sure you can talk more about it, but, um, you know, I'm a big believer in trying to explore all your options, you know, to the best of your ability. And, uh, you know, first of all, working out's basically free, you know, like you can, you don't have to pay anything for it. Uh, and I think you get a huge ROI on just getting exercise, um, and just so many benefits mentally and physically. So I just try to prescribe that to as many people as possible, even people who don't have mental, uh, you know, uh, illness or anything going on, but for just anybody in general. And that's, yeah, exactly what I was going to say, because, you know, I do believe, of course, that everyone should be doing this for in some way in their life. But yeah, you and I, with our backgrounds, we might have slightly different recommendations. And I mean, today's about, you know, your uh, perspectives on these things. So I'm curious, let's say I'm not trying to become the strongest person in the world, as most people listening probably aren't, but I still see the value of physical activity for these mental health challenges. Is there like a specific, I mean, I think I know where you're going to go with this. I have a guess, but is there a specific type of training or physical activity that you think, okay, everyone should be doing this and they could all benefit from? Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of strength training, uh, for just the numerous amount of benefits you can get from strength training and resistance training. Um, but I'm happy with just getting people moving, man. Like when I have clients come in for the first time, like whatever gets them moving and grooving is what we want to do. Maybe it's a walk, maybe it's lifting some weights, maybe it's, you know, skipping some rope. Like I think for the mental aspect of it, any of that is fine. Like anytime you're increasing your heart rate, you're getting circulation throughout the body, you're getting some endorphins going. I think there are tons of mental benefits of that, right? Uh, so I'm a huge fan of that. Obviously, the, the later we go in the ladder here, um, I think strength training is just phenomenal for, you know, everything um, in terms of health benefits as well. But, you know, it's kind of like if you have somebody who's suffering from something and Obviously, you have medication on one end of the spectrum, but then on the other end of the spectrum, there's something you could do immediately right now. It's like, go for a five-minute walk. Like, if you can do that five-minute walk, that that would be fantastic. Uh, and and I like to, like I said, people to explore their options, uh, kind of see what works for them. You know, yeah, people could be on medication and going for a walk. Like, you have so many different combinations that you can do for it. Um, but I just like exploring all of the options that are available. What can I do right now? Um, you know, and, and that's kind of where I'm at with things. And I know there's tons of different ways to look at that situation, but I think everybody should just be active in some way, shape or form. I don't think anything negative is going to come from being active, um, whether it's for your physical or mental health. 
Correct. And yeah, I totally think that's a very realistic view. So I'm getting to my last couple of questions here. One that I said I would go back to before is, you know, you had these, I believe, multiple attempts with suicide. Now, the last thing we need to be doing, um, both out of respect to you and, you know, just to be conscious of people listening is we definitely don't need to go into any graphic detail with stuff like that. But obviously to be at that point in your life, there's got to be a lot going on mentally. And you've been able to turn that around and shape that in a way that, I mean, you're one of the most passionate people I know. You're consistent. You've done a lot of cool things with your life already. And I think you're just getting started. I mean, I'd put a lot of money on that, right? What is it that takes you from that first point, that point A, where it's this mental low to now being this passionate person. Like what is it that I guess I'm trying to say keeps you going to do all of this now? Yeah. Um, the mindset that I had, like when I attempted suicide was that the world is a better place without me. And I kept repeating that. It was like a mantra that I kept saying in my brain so much. And I, and you know, you, your thoughts become actions and basically who you are. And I let that consume my brain every day, all day. And that's ultimately what led to it. And a lot of people didn't know about that. You know, right? we, I painted this picture that everything was great. And then that was kind of the icing on the cake. Um, but then thankfully, you know, I failed in that attempt. And, you know, it really was actually kind of it was scary for me because I, I've heard this, you know, often as I kind of looked into suicide and what happens is typically when people make that attempt right away, they realize that they made the wrong decision. And by that, that time it's, it's typically too late. But then the people who survive say that immediately, they're like, man, like when I did that, I just realized right away, like, this is not good. And I was able to have that experience where, you know, I, I was just sitting there crying my eyes out. And I was just thinking about all the people that I probably would have hurt if that did had happened. And it was just such a selfish thing for me to do. So um, coming out of that experience and putting a lot of help into myself, I, I really wanted to devote my time moving forward to helping as many people as possible uh, and using my story and the things that I've went through to just be a positive influence and change that narrative around that the world's a better place that I'm in it, you know, like, so that's kind of what I would say to myself over and over again, you know, and I've actually I've made videos where I say that and I, and I try to help have people use that as an exercise every morning when they wake up is to just, you know, take a nice deep breath and just kind of keep repeating that um, and then contributing what they have to offer to the world. So, you know, I think everybody has some special gift that they can bring, you know, whether it's a smile, whether it's, you know, their, their story or, or their talent, whatever that may be. Uh, but for me right now, it's just that, you know, I'm here on earth. I don't know how long I have, but in that time, I just want to help as many people as possible. Maybe that's achieve their fitness goals. Maybe that's, you know, just try to provide them some support to help them through whatever they're going through in life. Maybe it's this podcast, they listen to it and they feel like they're a little bit inspired or they feel like, you know, not everybody uh, understands them. And now they feel like they can connect with someone because there's so many people out there uh, who are going through the same thing as you, P people just aren't talking about it. Uh, so maybe this will give them a little bit of light, you know, in, in their, wherever they're at. Uh, so that's kind of with me, man, it's just, I love helping people. You know, I, I use fitness as my vehicle to help them as much as I can, you know, everybody, there's probably other things that work better than others. But for me, you know, my gift is just that, you know, I, I'm passionate about, you know, strength training and fitness and, and uh, self-improvement. And I try to just embody that. And any person I come into contact with, if I can provide them value, I try to do my best with that.
Excellent. And yeah, I mean, you're doing your part, right? You have your piece of the puzzle. And it's one of the reasons, uh, I know it sounds cheesy, but seriously, I love Minding Your Mind's logo because it's a puzzle piece. And that's how I always look at what I'm doing, right? I have my knowledge base, as you know, you have yours. And it's like, if we all just kind of shape and refine our pieces, and then we add that to the greater good, we have this wonderful and amazing puzzle where everything actually is pretty darn good. My final question for you, I had heard you talk about this kind of system that you have in place and it was uh, included some really great tips. I heard things, you know, from acknowledging you need help to having a support network. I think that is such a great note to end on because it gives people some actionable steps or maybe something that they can think about in the future. So you don't have to go crazy in depth if you don't want to, just even if it's a bullet point list, like what is that system that you go to? Because I know these are still things that you have to manage to this day. Um, and that system clearly is working for you. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll try to uh, remember some of them off the top of my head as I'll put myself maybe in a situation and how I would handle it. So if something were to happen, first thing, very simple, dude, just take a deep breath, you know, like sit there, deep breath. And uh, I try to ask myself questions in my head, like, is my life actually in danger right now? Like, am I going to die? Or is someone like in a severe amount of trouble? And, And usually the answer is no. So that right away, taking that deep breath and asking myself that question allows me to calm down a little bit, um, especially, you know, with anxiety or panic attacks is just being able to just focus on, okay, what's really a problem? What's not a problem? And, and that usually kind of just helps. Um, the, now for more of uh, something that's a little bit more serious, so say I'm feeling down consecutively or I notice I'm getting into a downward spiral, first thing is acknowledging that it's a problem. You know, before I used to just kind of let days go by where I didn't really think anything was an issue. And, you know, then it turns to weeks and then it turns to months where I'm just, you know, chronically in a, a negative headspace. Um, but when I can acknowledge that something's a problem right away, uh, it kind of helps get the system in place. And one of the, the first things I like to act on is just communicating with somebody. So developing a support system is huge. Um, you know, I love uh, having people around me that I can communicate with and talk with and, or even just listen. Okay. Like having someone that can just listen to what you're going through. And I think there's just a lot to be said for just talking out loud and having someone listen to you kind of just gets things off your chest. It gets things you out of your head. Um, So finding those people in your life, you know, is going to be key. And for me specifically, I have a, a, a really good friend, uh, that always makes me laugh. And I feel like that whenever I'm around them, I can't help but smile. And they get me out of whatever funk I'm in currently for that day. So if something's really wrong, you know, I, I have designated them as a support person. I, I call them and I say, hey, like, can we just go for a car ride or meet somewhere, get some fresh air? And automatically, I already feel better just knowing that I'm going to be able to talk to that person you know, and that they're going to make me laugh or smile because it's really hard to stay de- depressed if you're laughing and smiling a lot. I don't know if you, you've ever felt that way, but, you know, uh, mm-hmm. laugh, laughing kind of gets you out of that funk and smiling and being around good people. So having a support system is huge, acknowledging that it's a problem, um, you know, uh, coming up with you know, drills that work for you, which is individual for everybody, um, you know, Another thing that's helped me a lot is my environment. So trying to look at the environment that you're in. Are you around the 
people or is your environment causing this? You know, because one of the best things you can do is get out of that environment and put yourself in a better one. Um, so that, that's really helped me is just by the people I surround myself with and the environment that I'm in, you know, I run this gym and it's filled with super positive people who are trying to get better every day. You know, they're working on themselves and that just motivates and pushes me to do that. And that's another reason that I love doing what I'm doing. So, you know, it could be your environment. So just kind of take a look at that. Uh, and, uh, one of my biggest ones I'm sure I talked about is just exercising, you know, like trying to go out for a walk or maybe get a workout in. Uh, that really helps me um, kind of keep everything, you know, in line with, with where it needs to be and not get too out of control. Um, so, yeah, man, I'd say those are some of my, my biggest tips. And then obviously, if you really need help, you need to, you know, contact somebody, uh, you know, to, to get the help that, that you need medically or uh, talk to someone who can really put you in the right hands. Um, and a professional, like, don't be afraid to talk to somebody. Don't be afraid, uh, you know, to, to express how you're feeling, be vulnerable. You know, there's a, a lot of power and a lot of strength in being vulnerable and getting help. Uh, and I think so many people are afraid, you know, that's going to hurt their ego, but I'm here to tell you, like being one of the strongest dudes in the country, you know, and where I'm at, when you meet me, you probably be like, what? Like this dude wouldn't be that kind of guy, but uh, honestly, it's, it's saved my life. It's, it's just made me a better person. Um, so just, you know, be vulnerable, take that leap of faith, get help when you know you need help. And you're probably going to realize how long you've waited living a life um, that you just got used to, right? Or feeling a certain way that when you do get help, you realize how, how awesome it feels and, and how uh, amazing life truly can be. Absolutely, man. And thank you for breaking that stereotype because I know for a fact that you are already helping people out there do this and you will continue to do that. And I just, I really appreciate that leadership and stepping up to do that. Now, I got to ask, obviously you're pretty big on social, or I shouldn't say obviously, I will inform you all listening that Joey is pretty big on social. He is always sharing interesting content, whether fitness related or even stuff like this. I've heard him share these types of stories on his own podcast. So very overall uh, multifaceted kind of platform where can people find you joe if they want to see you on social yeah man for sure uh, my youtube channel is zat strength s-z-a-t then the word strength it's the same for my instagram zat strength uh content if you're into anything about fitness strength training it's ZatStrength.net. uh and my podcast is called becoming the lion podcast it's a no agenda podcast where i just talk about Anything and everything regarding this topic to the zombie apocalypse and if that ever happened and uh, just strength training in general. So I have a blast with that. Um, and you got you probably get to more personal side of me just that I love a little bit of everything and it's just you're bored and want to check that out. That is where it's at. But yeah, man, that's pretty much it. And then I obviously have my gym. It's called the Lion's Den uh, right in the Colmar Hatfield area. So if you ever want to work out, stop on by, or if you ever just want to talk or meet me, I'm always here. All right. Well, thanks again, Joey, for coming on today and for contributing to the mental health space, even though this is not the area your career is primarily involved in. I think it's safe to say that the world could definitely use more people like you. That'll wrap it up for today's episode, everyone. Remember, keep minding your mind, and as always, take good care. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into the show. To learn more about us, visit mindingyourmind.org.